You're on the bench with Bird and Pete, and this is our Friday bus. It's where we take five topics, toss them around, give our opinion back and forth. But, you know, since it's football season, we were trying to get it's a little different. Two of the segments, one will be dedicated to our picks, and the other segment will be dedicated to fantasy football. But we still can give y'all five topics. So the first topic that we're getting into is the Kyrie Irving. He was on first take this week for those who haven't caught up or haven't seen it. Um, I actually caught the episode live. Like, Stephen A was building up, like, oh, yeah, I got a special guest. Oh, he's coming in the building. Y'all don't want to miss this. So, Kyrie came on the stage, and I'm like, oh, man, this is what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for either Kyrie or LeBron to come out and, you know, discuss what happened. And my takes from the interview is he reminds me so much of Kobe and just his demeanor and the way he talks and acts on interviews. And some of the answers he gave. Um, some other things I'm thinking it was LeBron and it's the front office. It's, it was LeBron was part of the reason because if you go through the entire interview, he does not say his name once, and he just wouldn't address him, even say his name. So I know there's something there, and also it seems like it was other players as well as the front office was part of his reason, but I can definitely see how it would rub you the wrong way when all you hear is LeBron gets all the credit for everything that, everything, he gets credit for everything, and the blame gets brought back to them, because like I told people last year, if you check us out, out podcast, I'm like, LeBron, them, they ran through the West, and it was, oh, they so dumb, and they this, this, and this, they the best team, they got, they so deep when they beating ball. Boston and the Raptors, it was, oh, he has a great team, they're deep in the bench, and now lose, they blame it on everybody but him, and then I know Kyrie feels slighted, like, all right, I'm doing my thing, I guess I'm not good enough, and then also, you're looking at the team is kind of being held hostage on whether, what we're going to do, like, Kyrie signed this deal before LeBron came back, and then 11 days later, they brought LeBron back, so Kyrie thinking in his head, all right, I'm the man, this is my team moving forward, yada, yada, yada. You bring LeBron back, you kind of making me take a second, taking a back seat to him. And also, I'm taking another back seat now because we don't know what he's going to do. So the organization is being held hostage. Just a lot. And then <laughs> the funny thing during the interview was like his response to Max. Like he like he listened and watched the show because if you like don't watch First Take, a lot of the stuff you wouldn't hear Max say about, you know, the second banana and, you know, other things about his defense and his play. And Kyrie brought those up to him. Like, you know, I'm more than this, I'm this and this. So, players listen. You can They can say they don't listen and watch old, but they listen. And I just take from that he's happy now. He's at peace with his decision. He no longer wanted to be there. And, you know, he didn't really want to dig too deep in some of his questions. So, it came off like a politician. But, to me, it was a great great interview just seeing him out there and my favorite part was like you know it's real funny how i was in china when everything got you know leaked and released and also Stephen a brought up the thing like lebron was mad to the point when he wanted to beat his ass because if he was in his face because it makes seem like lebron's a problem and trying to damage his brand so bird what do you think about the Kyrie interview all right, so my thoughts on Kyrie's interview on First Take was I loved it. I mean, I feel like Kyrie would have been damned if he did and he was damned that he didn't. To me, he was as honest as he needed to be. Like Stephen A. had said, you know, read between the lines. I didn't need him to say specifically 
you know, this was my issue because of LeBron or because of Dan Gilbert or because of the coach. Like, he didn't need to say that. Like, clearly, it was some things going on there that he didn't like. And he wanted to be happy, and he wanted to do something to, you know, um, further his career. Granted, everybody can look at it and say he was stupid or whatever. He should have stayed with Cleveland because it's a guarantee that they're going to go to the finals. My thing is this, though. How many times have you heard people trying to say that LeBron has no help? You know, even LeBron's friends, fans will make that excuse for him because LeBron says that. You know, how many times do we hear him complain during the season about being top-heavy or, um, you know, he's tough or he does everything like he's supposed to do as if you're blaming it on everybody else? So it shouldn't be surprising to anybody that somebody of Kyrie's caliber should feel the way he feels. Now, you can look at it and say, He's, you know, he's not on LeBron's level. He's not on Kobe's level to have the opinion that Kobe had. But at the same time, um, Kobe and Shaq had won three championships. Most people weren't giving Kobe the respect that, or the same way with, with Kyrie. If it wasn't for the shot, Cleveland wouldn't have won that championship. So, unless you're a Lakers fan or you're being unbiased, you don't, you're, you don't acknowledge Kobe's contributions to the th the first three that that were won. You know, and then he dealt with that a lot even after Shaq left. People, you know, doubting him and the type of personal player that he was. Um, and again, I don't fault Kyrie for wanting to leave because the reality of it is LeBron is probably leaving Cleveland next year. So why should Kyrie be stuck there with a team that's built, basically built around LeBron? It's not built around him. It makes more sense to go to a different team and even looking at Boston and how he talked about Boston and what he want, would like to do and how he want things to, to play out. It will probably work out for him in the long run. Um, but overall, I didn't have an issue with his interview. Actually made me more of a fan of his because I felt like he was being as honest as he needed to be. He might didn't say what everybody wanted him to say, but trust and believe, had he went on there and named LeBron by name or said things about LeBron or admitted things that were going on in the locker room, then you would have had everybody else and analysts saying, oh, he should have kept that behind closed doors. I don't think he came off as cocky or conceited. I mean, I don't know Kyrie, but he seemed like he was being legit, you know, honest to me. Um, so again, I enjoyed the interview. All right, so the next thing we're going to talk about is what are your thoughts on the possibility of Carmelo being traded to Houston within the next few days? Um, apparently, his team thinks that a deal is going to get done soon before what they said, media day or something like that. I'm not too sure. So um, my opinion is just let it happen. Like, it seems like all, you know, all off season for the past almost three months now, we've just been talking about, you know, what they going to do with Melo? What they going to do with Kyrie? We got Kyrie under the, uh, you know, squared away. Now we're still talking about Melo. Either you're going to make the trade or you're not. I mean, the reality of it is Melo clearly has made it aware of where he would like to play. So I don't, I can't even look at Houston right now and say that they have um, formidable, formidable pieces to trade him for without decimating their team. So it might do them justice to add a third team so that it doesn't seem like you're giving away so much for one player um, that still has two years left on his deal. Um, for Melo's sake, I hope that it gets done because I would hate for him to have to be miserable or deal with the awkwardness of being in New York um, Clearly, when it's clear that he wants to leave there. And I'm pretty sure the media there is not going to let him live it down. If he's still there, that's all it's going to be talked about is, does he want to be there? Is he ready to leave? Did he really want to be traded? You know, It's just going to be a whole bunch of unnecessary questions, which will then cause distractions because everybody is then going to have to answer these same questions about Melo. So 
I hope that it's true that a deal gets done because I know that Melo seems like he wants out of New York. Um, but if not, then I hope that the Knicks have put together a good enough team to make them competitive enough to even make the playoffs because as as bad as the East is, they can't even do that there. I mean, Melo was making the playoffs in the West. Um, so that's saying a lot. So for his sake, hopefully it is done. But Pete, what do you think? Bird, you know, when it comes to this Mellow topic, I'm mellowed out. I don't want to even, you know, talk about Mellow because, like, every week something's going on with Mellow, either trade rumors, hoodie Mellow, divorce Mellow, it's always something there. Hopefully he does get his request and he'll be with the Rockets. We'll see. I don't know if it's going to be before the start of training camp. It may be after. But I think they're going to have to divorce this whole thing. But unless they let Mellow play with a hoodie, I, I really don't even care. I understand that the Rockets, you know, went through a transition of ownership and everything, and that might have held it up, but I just want to see, because, you know, training camp actually starts today for some teams, so I just kind of want to see what happens moving forward with this whole Carmelo situation. I needed to get to it, you know, end, so the season, end before the season starts. Either he's going to be in New York or Houston or another team at this point, because I'm, I'm really mellow, burnt out. I hope he have a great season, but we'll see what happens. Okay, so our next topic is... When NFL coaches call out players, in this case, star players, um, the two examples we have, we have McAdoo in New York calling out Eli, and then we have Jason Gert in Dallas calling out Zeke. Um, how I feel about it, I'm kind of, I don't, to be honest, I don't like it. I'm just kind of against it for the fact that you send in a bed. I mean, I understand that you know you want to treat everybody the same, but you can't. I was told or heard, I forgot which coach it was. He said, I treat everybody fair, but not the same. And I don't think you need to pull that kind of stunt on Zeke and Eli when you are clearly out coach. Like, when I look at the Giants, like, I don't, like, Eli, I think it was a bot snap. No, it wasn't a bad snap. It was the play clock ran down. They had to burn timeout, so they couldn't even go for it. Um, and I think in the fourth quarter was an issue with the snap as well. Not first, the other thing happened in like the end of the first quarter. Um, I'm, you can't blame Eli for that. It's coaching. Your offensive line is sucks. You're supposed to be an offensive guru, and since you've gotten a job. I think the last seven games, y'all may have averaged 15 or 16 points a game. You're not winning like that in the NFL. I don't care how good your defense is. Your offense sucks. You need to adjust that and fix that instead of calling Eli out a two-time Super Bowl. Borderline Hall of Fame. I believe he'll get in. And he's not a first ballot, but he'll get in. And I'm looking at Dallas, Jason Gray. Y'all, the Broncos went and punched y'all in the mouth. Cut, point, blank, period. Y'all got punched in the mouth, and now you want to blame Zeke for losing like they walked in broncos they punched y'all in the mouth they took what y'all did y'all do best y'all run the ball best that's the best thing y'all do they said you know what we gonna stop the run Dak, you beat us Dak couldn't beat us Dak threw picks that was his worst game to me and they lost and you know what zeke one of the it was two interceptions in question one zeke cut the I guess linebacker or defensive back that was rushing in that play. And that was his job. They were near the goal line. The 103-yard pick six wasn't Zeke's fault. 
he could have tried to chase him down. I don't know if he would have caught him or not. Because like I said, you're making a cut block because it's a quick route. Which a lot of people don't understand. When you do cut blocks with your offensive lineman or your running back, those are quick throws. Those aren't seven-step drops. Those are boom, get the ball out. Boom, get the ball out. Because you're cutting. So that means you're at a disadvantage. Like their pressure come in and so you have to get rid of the ball. But the one when he threw it to Dez and it overthrew him, he just said they was handling his hip. He could have gave more effort. He could have, but calling him out in public when we all seen it was unnecessary. That's how you start to lose players and teams. It's funny how you're defending his off the field. You won't criticize him as much for his off the field actions in the public, but then for play during the game, you, you want to criticize him. Like, you got to be, you can't waver. Like, are you going to criticize him for everything? Or now you want to criticize him for something. Like, to me, I think that was overblown. I think they were just, I think they were more upset that they lost the game and they were out coached that they had to find somebody to point at to take some of the pressure off of them. Bert, what do you think? Okay, so my thoughts on coaches speaking publicly about the players, um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Now, I don't really know if anything was asked of, like, um, McAdoo, McAdoo, however you say his name, or um, Jason Garrett. Like, I don't know if, what, what question was asked to prompt them to say what they said or if they just started their press conference off saying those things and then it went on from there because all I've seen from both was just those particular clips. Um, so first I say, well, it depends on, you know, why they said it. Now, as far as the, the Giants coach goes, the reason why I think that he shouldn't have said that about Eli, and, and even if he had an issue with that particular play, that offensive line is horrific. And I don't understand how the Giants didn't make that their number one priority this offseason because that and the run game was what was missing, you know, last year. The offense, it shouldn't be as pedestrian as it is, in my opinion. And and that's going back to last year as well. It's, it's just unbelievable to me. Um, with having a quarterback like Eli and having a guy like Odell and the other pieces you have around pass catchers that you can't get things done. So then you have to take a step back and look at the big picture. And the issue is that they don't have any, uh, they don't have an offensive line that can even let Eli get to a point to, to pass a ball, you know, and then it's easy to point to the quarterback as, as I always say to Ravens fans, like, yeah, you can point out all the flaws in Joe Flacco. And if you can point out all of his flaws, then you should be able to look at the whole team and say, what other unit or player is not playing up to par? So for me, I couldn't look at the Giants and solely blame Eli because he has no protection. Like, that's legit a joke, watching him play behind that line. And let me see how any other quarterback or, or the people who have an issue with Eli, let me see how you look after being sacked five times and hit only God knows how many times in a game. You're not going gonna to look punch drunk skits. You're, gonna, you're not going to look the same. And as far as the whole delay of game thing, yeah, granted, you can say, well, we have a veteran quarterback. I don't expect that to happen. Okay, well, you have a veteran quarterback who's won two Super Bowls. You ain't won nothing. You haven't won as a head coach. So the reality of it is, why not just wait? When you know that that line was the way it was, why couldn't you pull Eli in the office and say, hey, what happened on that play? If you wanted to know something. But to bring that up, and and I, 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 didn't, I didn't see... Any other quotes from him calling out anybody else, all I saw was that clip of him talking about Eli. That's the problem I have with him. Talk about the whole team and how how bad the protection was and your lack of run game. Talk about that while you're also talking about that one play of delay of game. You know, then you look at Jason Garrett. And I didn't watch that um, 
I didn't watch much of the, the, the Denver game and Cowboys game because I didn't realize that it was a daggone um, delay. Like, I was watching Red Zone, and I kept wondering, like, why aren't they showing their game? And it didn't dawn on me until um, Red Zone was about to go off, and they were saying that, you know, they still had a whole lot of time left in the game, and it, it'll probably cut off before their, you know, it'll the game will probably still be going on by the time that, that the station ends, because they normally end, I believe, at like 7 or 8 o'clock every, I think it's 7 every Sunday. So, with that, I didn't see the game. So, again, I only saw the clips and the highlights of what everybody was talking about, you know, from that particular game. And I also didn't see his point in calling out Zeke at that particular moment because it gave me the impression that when I, with the with the headlines I was saying and the, the he, he quit on his team, it was no effort and this, that, and the third. It had me thinking that he just withdrew from the situation. He he wasn't running, right? Like, I don't know what happened. All I know that everybody complained about was the, the interceptions. One of those interceptions, he looked like he was supposed to be, his job on that play was to block, and he did that. So you can't expect him to block somebody, be on his back, and then jump up and start chasing behind a cornerback that's running in the other direction. And I'm on the other side. That, 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 that's just not logical. Now, that one interception, that was a little head-scratching because... He would have been the closest person to the defender to bring him down and possibly could have helped it not, you know, be that. Um, So I would give him a, a, I would, you know, knock him for that. But again, that's not something that you have to come out publicly and say, like, that's something you can address. I would address that in my meeting with my whole team and say this exact, I will show that whole, that can't happen. That's not what we do here. I don't have an issue with that. I, like I said, it's just me. I'm just on the fence about whether or not it should be done publicly because, again, it just depends on the question X. Now, you can be aloof like um, Bill Belichick, you know, John Harbaugh. He doesn't really say too much. It's not often that you're going to hear him or see him down and play as publicly. We, we complain about half the stuff that he says and how he says it because we don't think he's being truthful half the time. So it's kind of back going back to like what I said about Kyrie. It's kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. I just don't think that it was worth it in those two situations to come out publicly and call them out because that's how it um, ended up being interpreted as. I think with those two situations, that was enough. That was a reason to pull them to the side if you wanted to know what happened or to let Zeke know, hey, that's not going to happen again or that can happen again. And also show up for the team. I don't think that those two players um, are beyond being spoken to or put on blast in front of the team, I just don't know if it's a great idea to do it publicly because, again, you're just creating more narratives for all of us to talk about. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is, um, given our fantasy picks, who do you think people should start and sit this week? And I'm going to probably keep saying this every week. Like, I, I'm not, you know, an expert on fantasy and things like that. Like, I play because I think it's fun, but gee, I wouldn't advise you to really take advice from me, but this is my opinion. Um, I would say you should start Aaron Rodgers, start the Steelers defense, and start the running back from the Panthers. McCarthy, I think is his name. And I would sit Eli Manning. I would also sit Odell Beckham. The reason I would sit Odell was because until I would see Odell being Odell, I wouldn't put him in my starting lineup unless you have no one else, you know, feasible to replace him. Um, so until you see him coming back and doing what he does, actually until they get some protection, and I'm probably going to keep saying that about the Giants, you're not going to see much from Odell. So I would say um, sit him because it's probably not going to be an easy night or day for them um, playing against the Eagles. I mean, division games are always tough. 
Um, and then I would also um, set the Texans defense. I don't think they're going to have, um, I mean, Tom Brady, I expect to be Tom Brady. Um, so I just don't think it's a good matchup for them. So I would say um, sit again, Eli, Odell, and the Texans defense. But Pete, what do you think? Okay, here's my fantasy picks for this week. I'm going to give you three people you should bench, three people you should start. I mean, we're going to start We're gonna start over in London this week. Somebody you should definitely play. You should definitely play Buck Allen. Uh, that's the play for this week against Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville defense may be a little, you know, rough to run against, but I think this week Buck Allen is going to make a splash overseas. Um, another play that I would definitely start is C.J. Anderson against Buffalo's defense. To me, I think that is a win-win. Also, if you have Cam Newton as your quarterback this, re- this week, repeat, Cam Newton, if he's your quarterback, you must play him against the Saints because I think this is going to be his breakout game. Now, let's go. Now, another matchup. Now, these are people who I would bench. Like, I wouldn't put them in my lineup. I wouldn't start them. Just don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Um, This week, if you have any Vikings receiver, do not play Stephon Diggs or anybody else. Because I'm pretty sure Bradford will be ruled out of this game. Another thing you'll want to say, if you have any... Texans receiver that going up to New England and you know how Bill Belichick is against rookie quarterbacks bench them as well and my last bench of the week is AJ Green um I don't trust Andy Dalton on the road I think that he's coming up on his last days in Cincinnati starting while Marvin Lewis is the coach maybe under new regime he'll get his job back but I think this is the last week so my Telling you, if you want to win this week in your fantasy, you better take heed and warn it. So our next topic will be our final topic of the week. For the week, um, we're doing four games. First game, Ravens versus Jags. Ravens. Next game, Atlanta versus Detroit. I'm going with Detroit at home in the mini upset. Next, we have T- um, Tennessee versus Seattle. I'm going with Tennessee. And the last game we have is Minnesota versus... Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay to take this one on a roll. Barry, what are your picks for this week? Okay, so my picks for this week will be the Ravens versus the Jaguars. I'm going to pick the Ravens. The Falcons versus the Lions. I'm going to pick the Falcons. The Seahawks versus the Titans. I'm going to pick the Seahawks. And then we have the Bucks versus the Vikings. I'm going to pick the Bucks. So my picks again this week will be the Ravens, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Bucks. So that's it for this week's show. You can catch us mostly on Facebook at On the Bench with Burning Pete. And also be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Until next time.